Hi, you're listening to Love in Limbo Land, the dating podcast for millennials. Dating is hard, and we walk you through the experiences we've had, the experiences our guests have had, and what's going on in the world in general when it comes to dating and relationships. And you may be wondering, who are we? My name is Kudzi, and I work in digital entertainment, and I love connecting to people who have stories that can inspire others to find love in their own lives. Whether it's crazy, a little bit ratchet, or just plain old simple, I love stories about love. And I'm Tiffany. I wrote my master's thesis on online dating, and I've always been interested in commitment, relationships, and what it takes to find that long-lasting love we all crave. On today's episode, we have Jenna Birch, author of The Love Gap, a radical plan to win in life and love. She asks, why are so many men afraid to date smart women? Well, her book talks about how modern men claim to want smart success and independence in romantic partners, or so says the data collected by scientists and dating websites. If that's the case, why are so many independent, successful women winning in life but losing in love? Well, Jenna Birch has finally named this perplexing reason. It's called the love gap, or the confusing rift between who men say they want to date and who they actually commit to. Her book is backed by extensive data, research, in-depth interviews with experts in real-life relationship stories. And we hope this podcast and her stories about how to connect with people really help you navigate the dating landscape. Particularly, she wants you to know that women can and should have it all without settling. Um, well, I started writing The Love Gap, so late 2015, um, and around that time, I was having a lot of interesting dating problems. So uh, I you know, had tried, I think, every self-help book at the time. I had read all the dating literature, all the blogs. You know, I talked to so many friends, and we were having very similar problems, and that we were having a hard time, like, merging up timelines with, like, several ambitious people. So we would typically date people that were like similar to us, like career driven, like insightful. We wanted to learn more, do more travel. You know, we had all these great goals individually, but we were having such a hard time linking up um, with men particularly that that were doing, you know, similar things to us. Um, and one time, you know, I had an ex tell me I was too ambitious and like too sure of myself, uh, which kind I of had a question about that, like so <laughs> many men that I talked to, even we just had another guest on our podcast. And he says, I really want an ambitious woman. I love ambitious women. And I remember reading that in your book, too. Like men always say they want like an ambitious woman, woman. But like when it comes to dating them, they don't end up dating the ambitious woman. Why? Why do you think that is? There's so many different factors, I think, in terms of what plays into that. And I think it's different for every person. Um, I, I think that there are these old school gender dynamics that we might not even be actively aware of it. I think that in some ways, our wants have evolved past our needs. We have like these latent feelings that, you know, men should be providers and women should be nurturers. And like some people adhere to gender roles more specifically, or there are social pressures to adhere to those gender roles. So people aren't actively aware, I think, of how many pressures they have, like internally, that are kind of driven by these really old school dynamics. And then, you know, socially, you know, the perception of your relationship is something else that people are constantly thinking about. So I found that there were a lot of people that when it came down to it, they just didn't pick the ambitious woman, especially if they were like very career driven themselves. Um, and that might have been like perception of, you know, needing to be a provider, needing to be stable in their own lives, feeling like they needed to measure up. And these are all very old gender dynamics where we have this, you know, 
this idea that we should be in partnerships now and you're on a team. But when it comes down to it, it doesn't always work that way. Um, and another thing is just getting those timelines to sync up was really hard. Like I had um, one guy who can, in my book, there's something called bucket theory. And it's just kind of the idea that if you're both pouring a, like, you know, let's say you have 100% of your energy and you're both pouring that all into career, then you're going to like have an overabundance of like career and ambition, like in your relationship. And you won't have like the outside, like dynamics that are holding it together, like the fun and the travel and like the housework that we all have to do, things like that. Um, so it is does come down to that balance. And we are trying constantly as, you know, millennial men and women to navigate the space between being fiercely independent and making our own choices and then wanting to be with someone else, you know, that kind of shares our values. So finding that right match is getting harder and harder, I think. So how do you do so it? Hard. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I struggle with this too, but I think there are like different philosophies behind it. Like, oh, don't show that you're career driven in the beginning, like lead with other things and then slowly introduce that. Like all these different tactics. Do you think that you have to play a game in a sense when it comes to dating or do you think it's just the right person will find you? You know, the best part about it, I think, is that people are really upfront, like about who they are and what they're doing, like very early on in the relationship or dating phase. Like they'll tell you that, you know, they're still working on their career or they're in the middle of their PhD program or like, you know, they're might going to travel for the next month or two. And, you know, they'll tell you that you're, you're in flux, but we have this like selective listening thing often where we, we hear what we want to hear. <laughs> and then we, and then we like tune out the rest or we rationalize it away. We're like, this is a great connection and this person I'm really clicking with them so we don't always hear like the outside stuff that might impact the relationship so my biggest thing is like go into all connections with an open mind and like open ears like you're listening to what they're telling you about where they're at in their lives um, instead of projecting like your own wants upon someone else um, early on I have found that that is the most effective tactic is just and then you kind of have to realize you know every connection is different. Some people you might want to put more effort into seeing if it works because you feel that like real potential there. Or some people you might just want, you know, we all interfaces in, of our life that is just like no bullshit. Like we do not want to mess around. Like if people are really evasive or hard to like, you know, meet up with, they, they seemingly, their stories don't add up, whatever it is that just feels off. Like you don't have to pursue that. You can just like filter very effectively, like the people that are on the same page and in the same place of their life and seem to be looking for the same things. It's not a foolproof plan, but like not selective listening is like my number one tip for people. That's so important because I think in the world of just like so much information, media stuff, mm -hmm. we're so now so attuned to select just selective absorption right. of like yeah. everything that I felt mm -hmm. filters into dating too. I just want to mm -hmm. hear need because there's too much going on like is it kind of close to what i want or like is yeah. does this feel right or the way or make it feel like the thing that you want right sometimes like it's actually telling you something else yeah so like what do you think the questions are that you should ask to kind of figure out if they're on the same page as you or like it's gonna be a match because i feel like with the selective hearing stuff i totally get it but i think it's yeah. asking the questions where i know i'm gonna get the answers that i want versus asking like the more difficult questions that right. i don't want the answers to right so, and, and i'm a big yeah i think you have to dive in and ask those questions like when it seems appropriate a lot of people will like the opening will come where they can ask the hard question and they back away from it it's just like let that organically develop and then really listen and i think that you early on 
when we're kind of on dates, I feel like all of dates are just like feeling out potential. Like you're living in a little bubble that's not necessarily merging two lives, but you're just getting to know someone. So we literally just feel the potential of the connection. And we like ignore all the stuff that can go on that can affect relationships, like in whether or not they're going to fail fail or succeed. So I think that I mean, there are lots of deal breaker questions early on, like politics and, you know, religion and past relationships, but all those questions give you a lot of information where I feel like if it comes up in an organic way, like feel it out, like you're going to figure out like, you know, does this person have baggage from their last relationship that they haven't dealt with? Or, you know, are they someone that, you know, is politically completely on the opposite end of the spectrum? Like those things are that are important that will reveal more information and like really tell you what you want to hear. Sometimes that's completely separate from chemistry, which is what we're feeling out. Um, so you have to have some mix of chemistry and compatibility and all that. I think that we we shy away in this culture from like really diving deep. Like we have those sound bites where we kind of live in that world of gathering information, but we're not like contextualizing it and really thinking about like, is this going to work for me? Um, the, the last personal you can take like those dismissals in the beginning of dating and just be like, my heart isn't involved. I feel potential, but this person's probably like going to end up as a train wreck. Like you just kind of have to know what you want going in um, and be really, be really wise about, you know, the messages that people are sending because you're going to hear them. Um, just, I feel like I've gotten better at that in dating and that has made, I think my mindset completely changed. Just being able to like, listen to the entirety of where a person's at and what they want. Sometimes it's not what I want to hear. <laughs> right. Since writing the book, can you, have you had like a person you've dated where you've used like stuff from your own book and that's been like so different from the past? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that like a lot of the book, especially the advice component of the book is kind of just like. I don't think you can sit here and give like blanket advice for like every dating situation. So what I wanted to do in the book, especially in the advice component is like, here are relationships that have succeeded. Um, I, I was able to interview a lot of couples really in depth. And these were, these are people, you know, you kind of feel out the dynamics of a couple and you see who's like kind of settled into a good place and they're in like a happy relationship. Like every relationship has, it has its flaws, but these happy relationships, I was like, how am I going to figure out, you know, how to make that happen in a modern world? And I, the answer is that it's very individual and you have to like be really in tune with your gut at all times. So I feel like the last person I dated, it was also my longest and like most substantial relationship. Um, I, I felt like I came at that, like really trying to figure out, you know, you know, both, can we make this work like in a very real way, like in the outside world, but also like, what does this person need? And like, you know, how do I forge that connection and make them feel comfortable and also like still make sure my needs are met? I came at it in such a place of like, I want to be authentically myself and see if we're compatible versus like, I want to play the dating game correctly. I think I was so good at dating for a long time, just because I had read all the books, like I had read like, you know, all the theories about how you should behave early on. And it was just not effective. Like it kind of creates a facade around what you're doing. Um, so you are the perfect person or whatever, you can be like this fun, mysterious prospect, and then they actually get to know you and it's like poof all the mystery is gone all the fun is gone nothing is really left so I, I really came at that from an authentic place I think and finally you know expressed what I wanted and ne needed up front and I felt like that was why it was my healthiest relationship overall this is so interesting because the previous episodes of this one um with Ben for those that are listening go check that out um he's a firm believer in playing the games and like creating yeah. chemistry and like the tactics of how to make sure someone like wants you or to like and how to like convince someone uh, to like you even if they don't in the beginning like 
that's so interesting inviting yeah. you to like specific events that he'll cater dress like because he'll know this is something that will put him in a good light with the right friends and like mm -hmm. he's curating this whole experience and he feels like like that is a, a part of the relationship that will extend past like the courting phase like that's so interesting yeah he believes you should always be so so T tiffany does not believe that mm -hmm. i'm like just open to hearing all ideas about yeah. <laughs> um but it's really interesting because I think not so much like who's right, who's wrong, but really like people really do approach things from like different ways. And I think you right. both can end up like in whatever their versions of happy, right? Right. Yeah. I think that, yeah. Um, My big thing is if you're. But doing Tiff, would you. Why are you so all about authenticity? I know why Jenna is. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think the right person will love like. Er the quirks and the different like you don't have to convince someone to like you i think that what ben was saying when he was on the podcast is like you have to like actively like manipulate them and like maybe that's a strong word but do all these like extra tricks and if they like skiing learn how get an instructor and learn how to ski it's just not so something i can see someone sustaining for a long period of time this mm -hmm. little unless that's who they are. And I think it works for him because he loves n learning new things and like pushing himself. But I don't know if the average person can really dedicate the resources because that's time, that's money, that's a, a lot of um, effort when there are so many other buckets in your life as well. So I don't know, but maybe do you think we should be spending so much time in like the relationship piece um, of like perfecting it in terms of like, I think to find these events and like yeah. someone, I think that the best connections are like created in some kind of organic way and that you connect on something pretty real early on, um, whether that's a hobby or like, you know, self-improvement, even like maybe for him, self-improvement is a thing and he's looking for someone who's constantly going to push and grow in that way. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe that relationship, kind of comes as a, as a result of that, as opposed to like kind of putting on this, like play the game, like the mystery. Like I, I, so I dealt with a lot of women, especially that had like read all the self-help books. They had read like everything they could do about playing, like being the perfect date, but they really couldn't figure out a way to sustain that into a real relationship. Um, and I think at the end of the day, for me, especially, I want someone who loves me because of my flaws, not in spite of them, not just like I'm putting up with you, like these things are annoying, but you know, you kind of want somebody that's going to accept the things about yourself that may be harder to accept too. So opening up in a real way and like showing your strengths and weaknesses early on, I like seeing people's weaknesses or the things that they don't like about themselves. Cause oftentimes, you know, I've dated somebody that like, I really liked some things that they didn't like about themselves. So being open early on and being pretty authentic about that, I think that creates like a really well-rounded connection. Um, a, a lot of people I think get really, they get into this rule mindset of like, I know exactly what to do to be like the perfect date. But I think dating and relationships almost exist in two separate spheres. Oftentimes, um, you can go on tons of dates with people and it can never get serious or real. Um, but then a relationship is like where, you know, you get into the nitty gritty, like you see like their ugly days and their pretty days and like their best and their worst, like top to bottom. And for me, the people that stick around through that are probably like most compatible. So putting that out there early just kind of saves save some time. Um, I, I kind of want to have a relationship where I don't have to hide that ugly. Like I want to be able to bring that out. And I think uh, that's like my philosophy. And I, I think that, you know, I, it, it's worth considering, you know, are you getting the kind of results that you want? 
like in your relationships. Or, or... That like, it's all about timing that out. So like, say you have the ugly parts. Do you think you need to wait a certain amount of time to share that to like first get them really invested in you so that when you do share those parts, they're not like as dramatic to them or it's like things that they can deal with versus like if someone says something in the beginning, like we had this girl on our podcast, Willow, who talked about how she went on a date with a guy and he talked about um, his Crohn's disease, like the intent, like for a big percentage of the date where it's like at the, that point, she's like, it's too soon. It's too early to be telling me these issues with you. Um, what's like the subtle balance of like cluing them into your life without scaring someone off? Yeah, I think that like I've had to do that too in the past, but like there's a difference between um, I I've always kind of had the mentality that people kind of have to earn your story. Like everyone has a great story and like some really unique quirks and flaws and like somebody should earn that. That's like your special like safety vulnerable place and it should come out pretty organically. But I have fibromyalgia, for instance, and I remember there was this one moment where like I was on a date with this guy who was a resident. Um, and he was kind of going into a similar field, but I didn't know that. So I was able to bring it up and it was an organic kind of conversation where I brought up this thing that, you know, it's a scary thing to bring up for me in, in a lot of ways. Um, so I, I brought it up on the date and he was like, was so accepting about it. And we ended up dating for a little while, but he was so nice and kind, but I didn't dwell on it to the point where I'm like, here's all my baggage. Like you're on a date to connect as opposed to like, you know, vent that's for like your best friend and your therapist and stuff like that you're not using your dates to like vent. I, and I think that that's kind of what happens a lot of times. Um, people will go on rants and then that's not really bringing your best self. You kind of want to bring your best self to the table in early on too. And it should be about fun in the beginning. Like, you know, it, and that can be or, like organic, authentic fun that, that you're discovering together um, and bringing your best self forward because you're never going to repeat that phase early on. Like once you get deeper, you're going to see the uglier, but I think it should come out in a really natural way. And, you know, don't vent. Don't vent to people, just like bring it up, move on. It's a part of your life and it can be this organic development. But, you know, typically I would say the sweet spot for like bringing that stuff up, you know, on average, maybe four to five dates, mm -hmm. like if they're solid dates, um, but like focus on fun in the beginning, you're connecting, you're trying to find what your common ground is, and then you're absorbing data, like could this possibly work? Um, but but I like to look for reasons to like someone not look for reasons not to like someone. So there's also mm -hmm. that component too. Um, a lot of people that aren't fully ready for relationships kind of look for reasons to discount people that might be, mm -hmm. you know, too challenging to, you know, much work, whatever it is, they'll look for reasons to dismiss them as opposed to reasons to really like and connect. So, so that's another component of it as well. Cool. Let's talk about the gap. One of the gaps that Tiffany already mentioned, like about, um, modern men claim to want smart success and independence, like the intellectual part. So like Tiffany mentioned previous podcast episode as well, that she wants a guy who's smarter than her, right? And some guys say that too, and then they meet up, and then it becomes this thing where it's like there's a clash. Let's say you kind of are compatible, except for this like this intellect gap, or like there's like that I issue. Do you think that's a gap that can be bridged, or do you think like when people fundamentally have issues with someone being smarter than them in like real life, that it's like it can never be fixed? I think. For me, it's like definitely about valuing everybody is smart in different ways. So for me, it's like about what do you value? Like, for instance, I probably was more book smart than my last boyfriend, but he was so like street smart in the sense that like he could go to any city and navigate and like be totally fine. But like we have different skill sets. So for me, 
like it doesn't really matter who scored higher on like the SAT or like what these basic components are like, you know, uh, of work and success. People, I think, try to measure those things, which is really difficult. But I, I just try to show people that I appreciate exactly like what kind of smarts they have. But I do think that if you fundamentally like value something, like you value somebody who's like book smart per se, and like you really want someone smarter than you in that way. That's a tougher gap to bridge if that's like on your short list of things that like you definitely want. And, and that's individual. So tell me more about that, Tiffany. <laughs> well, I'm just curious, like, why do you think that, or at least I feel like a lot of career women struggle with dating more so than people whose like number one, like ambition or motivation isn't their career. Right. Do you think there's a reason for that? Because I'm curious, like all my friends who, you know, they're they have like director or VP or SVP positions at companies and are like killing it are the ones who struggle with relationships the most. So why do you think that is? I think it's a combination of things. I mean, it can be sometimes that idea that like men want to feel like providers and like that they are like kind of the breadwinner in the relationship. We still have those struggles where I hear that commonly, like with, you know, heterosexual relationships where the dynamic exists, even if they want a partnership, it's like, I, I went on a date with a guy early who um he kind of told me yeah I want someone smart and successful but not as smart and successful as I am so <laughs> it was very obvious right. and, right. and like this was a competition he also like pulled out a phone and like googled me on a date because he like was trying to gather data and I was like this is so weird um so so for me that's like an incompatibility and I think a lot of that is one component the other component I think with smart women too is that they think a little bit that relationships are they involve another person in a very intimate way. And a lot of smart women think like they can they can get there in the most efficient way possible. So they're going to try to like come up with every theory about how they're going to make this work. And they're going to cut out all like all the dating part that we don't like, you know, getting all dressed up and saving all this time and going on the dead dates and not liking it. And like, you know, getting ghosted and flaked on and all that stuff. They're trying to find ways to cut corners that sometimes we can get lost in like trying to find and really connect with somebody. I think that that's something that a lot of the women that I've dealt with, like they were really rigid in their thinking of how like things should develop. And I think that that is like a time that you say that. Okay. <laughs> I'm done with everyone here. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. But I think also like it's a cultural thing. And just like, for instance, I look at LA and I, I know like in our industry, there's like a lot of like screenwriters and actors and all that stuff where it's like hard to date or like if I like for instance if I'm making a certain amount and I like going to these nice dinners and right. this person can't do that or like you know even if they're really passionate about what they're doing it's just like not financially there then it like there's a disconnect there too I feel like pay for his dinner <laughs> you could I mean it's possible I mean it just depends what you're feeling but I mean like that is if that's like a thing I think that we all have short lists of qualities that we're like looking for that's just something that if that's on your short list of like I I need that like I think that you get I just want someone at my level and I feel yeah. like a lot of times like and and this is the, the discrepancy I think that with guys they don't care if the girl is at their level I know that they say they do but I don't think like I think they like when they're at a higher level whereas like I think it's such a turnoff when I feel like I'm like more accomplished than this person yeah. so I think inherently a lot of men choose the women that make them feel good 
Whereas like, that's a different function as like, we choose the people that make us feel good, but you, everybody has that like individually defined. Um, but a lot of like the stereotype is like, they, they kind of boost their ego. And if they're like constantly, like I did a story with refinery 29 and recently about women who had been rejected because they were like more successful than their significant other. Um, and, and I think that a lot of those dynamics do exist that like sometimes that comparative nature of relationships, like where if somebody is constantly like succeeding or money keeps coming up, like it's in your face a lot, sometimes that can be like, it can be like that thing that threatens your ego a little bit. And then people don't like to stay in relationships that are like constantly making them feel bad. So it's whatever way that plays out. I think those dynamics where there's a sense of comparison, um, that that's really challenging. And that's early in relationships too, where everything is tends to be separate. And it's like before a partnership is formed that sometimes it's hard to bridge that gap. Um, and maybe you should tell us like, what are some of the dates you've gone on? Do you have, you have any experiences where you're like, this just isn't working? I think recently though, I've tried to really focus on going out with people who are at the same level as me, um, at least like perceived value wise. I'm like, okay, we have like similar jobs or like are in like, I feel like we could kind of like both help each other career wise, which is what that's something that I would really value is like, I feel like a lot of people that I end up dating, I'm always like coaching them. And I think I would love to be in a relationship where I feel like they're like bringing advice or ways of doing things or, you know, negotiating and things like that, that like make me think like, oh, wow, like I need to level up. I need to improve myself. And I think there comes a point where I'm dating guys where if I feel like I, this person wouldn't like help me level up. I think, I don't know. I think it's always different, but you have like that idea that, um, and I think that that's tough. Like you have to feel like you respect the person. Like, could I go to you you for advice? And would I actually take that advice or would I consider advice? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Would you, how about you, Kudzi? I, I ask a lot of advice that I don't take because I'm just like, this is not, this is not good. Right. Um, but did it take like a certain, like, I feel like, would you need them to be smarter than you or would you want them to be smarter than you or what's your take on that? Um, uh, When Jenna said the like, talking about your the guy where you're like, he was, I was, you were more book smart, but he was more street smart. I think as long as it's smarter in some way, yeah. like knows a lot of things in their own world that I just don't know about. I think the smarter than or le- was not as smart as is tricky as a whole, um, right. as a concept. It just depends on what. Like, I love people that are really great at what they do and they know something that's outside of the world that I, know anything about and they don't right. like actually know anything about what i do that much um so because i think i love being inspired by people um yeah and that like I, I, I prefer being inspired by than like have them know things about me because people that the people that do things that are really cool and inspiring are like creatively challenging for me and that's the that's the growth i like yeah i don't need you to know how to like do the thing that i do better than me right totally because yeah. i work with people who do that like this or like i can just learn from them i don't need right. that from you yeah. um, but definitely like interesting and more accomplished in a, in a space that i'm not like that's cool I love that. like it's really fresh i'm just like that's just because i just want to know more I just think that's a good compatibility factor, though, too. It's like, I want someone, I don't need, like, 
tons of riches in an area where like, I'm already smart. Like I want somebody who's going to like help me along in this place where I'm struggling, which I think was my last relationship. Like I just, I, I am very book smart. And I think like I live in that little intellectual bubble where I just like to analyze ideas and like, you know, that's kind of my thing, but like some of the life stuff, people kind of laugh at me because like I'm practically challenged um, in, in some ways, like the, the last I dated, like could fix like a car on the highway and like could navigate any city and like had these like extreme street smarts where I'm just like, I can't do that. But I like love that you can do that. There's like this instinct about like the way you navigate life that I like, I watch from the sidelines and kind of analyze where it's like you're in the action and you're doing stuff. Yeah. So like, I love that. I think it's like a very appealing quality and it makes for a compatible partnership because you have somebody that's like filling in your gaps, your blind spots in some ways. So I like that. So that's important to me. Like very important to me. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't want to date another me. Right. Like I would date me as yeah. a person. I don't want to date another me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you got to give me something fresh. Something that like you're, yeah, I like the thing that you said about the person inspiring you. Like, I think that's, I like get inspired by people we've worked with. I get inspired, but it's r- rare that I've like been inspired or maybe like one person I dated I was inspired by. But yeah. I think like when you are, it makes a world of difference, like in just like what you contribute to the relationship too. Like when you are inspired by like them, you want to learn, you want to help each other, you, you want to like both level up versus like anything that comes back to respecting like if you feel like there's nothing to learn or nothing to gain and it's very hard to like progress the relationship right I totally agree I think that that's um it's very interesting inspired is something that people brought up a lot especially when I was interviewing singles like what do you want I ask every single like that question like the, the big theme was I want someone who makes me better like that was what people really, really wanted. So my kind of litmus test for that was like, you got, you have to ask yourself two questions. Um, and is that does like to keep dating, to continuously date, to progress to more commitment? Like, does this connection feel rare and different to me? Like you're trying something new in a way that's like, you're not repeating your old mistakes. One of the things that a, a dating expert told me a long time ago, which always stuck with me was we, so many people don't have five bad relationships. They have the same bad relationship five times. Mm. So like make sure that you're making small changes. You're not going to repeat those same mistakes. And then like the second one, you know, does this connection fair, feel rare and different? And am I becoming a better person as a result of being with this person closer to who I want to be? For, and then like people used to tell me that about these like positive relationships. So like, I just realized I was becoming like a significantly improved person with them. And maybe it wasn't this active thing where they were advising them and they were telling them to go do it, but whatever they were doing in their life was like making them more efficient. It was making them more inspired. It was like providing new ideas. Like it would make them like one person even said, you know, I realized I was working so much harder at the office that I could leave to go see her. And it was just like this really effective. I was doing so much. And I just thought that that was kind of cool. So many people had different variations of that, that, inspired is a big one, making you better, being closer to your goals. I think all of that, like in a relationship is really aspirational and it does exist. Yeah. Yeah. And I think someone who can help me see the world in a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, The world I live in is very like, it's a lot of like intense peace ways to live life and like the way they think about things like financially or like business wise and stuff. And I sometimes you just see someone who's like, okay, you're going to see it from a whole different perspective. Like this is actually not that important in the grand scheme. Like it's important, but like there's like the life that's outside of your bubble. So like, that's important to me too. Um, but that's still in the realm of inspire, like inspire me 
to be better and just like just different yeah um, because i think there's like w- one of the biggest fears humans have is not reaching their full potential right. i think that's like an inherent thing and um that's why i feel like people are always looking for a partner or like looking to surround themselves with people who like allow them to like be inspired and keep moving forward and be their best selves because right. it helps them get closer to that goal of like meeting the potential they think they have Right. And I definitely saw that like there were really two kinds of relationships that people used to recount to me. And one would be like this safe and very settled relationship where it was stable. It wasn't like mind blowing, but like it was pretty good. Like they were like, it's pretty good, but they had questions. There's so many people that would ask me about like settling. Like, how do you know if you're settling? Like, you know, what what does that mean? Like, you know, what what should a relationship look like? Mine is good. I don't know if there's something else out there, but those like questions like would plague a lot of people. And those would be in those very stable, settled relationships. And then there would be people that just had these really growth oriented relationships in the sense that like, I, I really did see that there were these two different trajectories and it, what kind of it came down to in the book, because I use Maslow's hierarchy to kind of explain this. Um, and the difference is that people that have like the self-esteem, they know where they are going and they know where they like want to be. Like they will choose those relationships that are getting closer to their goals versus like, if you don't know what you want or you don't really know who you want to be, like you might end up in that relationship that's settled. It's stable, but you don't really know what direction it's going in because you don't know what direction you're going in. So that was a big one for me. So I really believe in the importance of finding yourself and defining your own goals and knowing that, like, because that's going to help you like choose the relationship that's truly right for you. Even if like you have to go on a bunch of dates to find it, like you kind of have this idea of like what it should feel like. And I think that that's that inherent nature of settling. Um, it's pretty simple. Like if you feel like you're settling, then you are. Like it's yeah. just, it's so individual. I was it, gonna it, say that when you brought it up, I was like, if you ask that question, you're exactly. like exactly. And when people ask me all the time, it's top three most questions asked me by daters is like, how do you know if you're settling? So I've written about it a bunch in the essays. I feel like that plays into the fear though of like, you know, if you don't settle, like you also see all these like women who are like career motivated women who are like in their late 30s, early 40s, who like, I'm not settling. And like, then it becomes like, well, is there something bigger there? It's like, girl, it's a- maybe you should have said, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. it seems like at the, you feel like there's like a cost to that as well. Like in my mind, I'm like at a certain age, I'm just going to be like the next, like decent person that comes in, I'm going to say yes. No, to Tiffany, because- I don't want that for you. It's that, um, that stopping theory they have. It's yeah. something where like, you know, you have to stop, but part of dating is like kind of mercenary and that you're out there like trying to figure out like, what do I want? Like, yeah. what's my value? Like, who, who am I going to date? What's going to be the like best fit for me? And then there comes a certain point where you kind of inherently feel like I know it's out there. And like, I'm kind of arming myself with that knowledge. So that's why people I'm like, date young, like, just go out there and see what you like, go out there and like, find that. But like, there will come a point where you feel like you've done that. Yeah. And I feel like I've reached that point, like a lot of my friends, I know that have kind of reached that point. It's like in the late 20s, when you're just like, I feel like I know it's out there. And I've like, really defined what I want. So it's like really coming, I do think with career women though, especially if they get to that place where they wanted kids or whatever, sometimes it's covering that lack of self-esteem. They put like on that armor of success, but they haven't really defined what do I, what do I want inherently as a person. And until you do that, like you're not going to be able to find the relationship that's right for you. So it's a cover. So I, I would always ask those women, like especially some men too it's the same thing like you can use success as a shield in a lot of ways people do oh i love that's a tweetable moment you can use success as a shield i do that all the time i think i i do that but i also like going back to your 
so the Maslow, your your Maslow hierarchy of needs kind of analogy with like I'm assuming up top is like the self-actualization people, right? What's that top? Was that the top of the that's five? Yeah, that's yeah. the top of the Um and I'm definitely a growth. Like I'm definitely a growth. Like I would this is why I don't go on a lot of dates, like mm-hmm. in my mind, because and this will sound crazy, but like a lot of the people that I do match with, at least on the apps or real, like it's, you're not going to get, like, we're not going to go to the heights that I want to soar together. Right. This is, this is probably the number one reason okay, why. Interesting. Cause I'm definitely not a, I, I wouldn't be the stable, like just settle. Like yeah. what's the bottom shelter and like yeah. whatever is at the bottom. Protection, okay. basic needs, protection. Yeah, I'm not yeah. that person. Not that there's nothing wrong, like there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just like not, which is why like I I need the growth people, and they're very hard to find. Yes, I find for me. Yeah, those are very hard to find. Yeah, because I because I actually do know where I want to go. But I think my I know problem exactly is where I go. when I find them, I get so nervous, and I like feel like oh shoot, how do I like? It's so hard to find that when you do. You're just like, oh my gosh, okay, it's here. What do I do? Yeah, what do I do? What do I do? And then you like kind of like psych yourself out of that whole experience because yeah. But um, because I do know who I want to be. Like I'm very, I know that for me. Um, so I can't be messing with like I can't be in the the bottom of the pyramid. Yeah, I feel like sometimes I just like get like lonely and i think like oh i could just drop down a little but then when i end up going on those dates i become like even more like upset about the situation and i think i just need to like cut out that behavior and realize what i'm doing and you know only saying yes to the people that i'm truly excited about yeah you can definitely like i used to come home date from dates when i would be in that state and sometimes i tell people that's kind of the worst time to date because you're self-esteem is like dependent on these relationships or feeling validated or wanting like that. Like if, if you're in that place, like do your own thing. I used to come home from the dates, especially like several years ago, I had this breakup and I would come home and just like cry because I would feel more and more lonely because I would just be like, I, I was not filtering. Like, do these people seem compatible? And am I excited for the date? I was just kind of going through all the motions mm-hmm. in that way. And it's just like, that can make you feel lonelier. So it's not a fix totally. for, for that feeling. Oh, this has been so good. Okay, so question. So the book is called The Love Gap, A Radical Plan to Win in Life and Love. Um, everyone listening, go buy the book. But, and without giving it away, like what's what are one of the most radical things that you need to do to win in life and love? Ooh, that is such a good question. Um, I would say that my biggest... My, my biggest kind of principles for the book were both like listening to your gut and following that intuition. I think that there are so many outside factors that you're not aware of that can drive relationships forward that, that aren't the right ones for you. Um, and there are a lot of messages coming in about what you should be doing. Should is kind of a toxic word. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the book is like teaching you to listen to yourself and recognize connection when it comes along. Uh, and the other piece of it is like respecting the role of timing. Like you have got to realize sometimes that like there can be a great connection at a terrible time. And it's just like, that's not your moment. Like it's sometimes I've seen couples, some of my favorite stories were couples that like had this really long road to commitment where they like broke up, got together. Like it was this whole thing, but like it was built on that connection that they felt originally. Like they kind of knew this was special, but the timing just was wrong. It's completely wrong. So respecting that and like not trying to force something that feels impossible is like will save a lot of heartbreak but like stay open-minded i think like 
the more open you can remain to the potential for relationships evolving in different ways um, and being really, you know, a lot of people, you'll, you'll tell someone about a breakup and people will be like, okay, never talk to him again. Like it's done, like walk away. Like don't like necessarily listen to all those outside factors, like respect that like people are on their own journey and like really listen to yourself when those moments are right. And like have that, like, I'm going to be radically vulnerable like that. That's what you said. Like sometimes you psych yourself out when you like feel it. Like I totally mm-hmm. understand it's easy to do that, but it, my thing is just like, go for it. Like the people that are brave, like in my book tended to like get these best relationships. They had to have like some moments of bravery. So my big thing is like, look at it as a journey. It's an adventure, but like really listen to yourself the whole way. I love that. So Tiff, are you willing to be braver? I need to be. I definitely like, I think what was interesting too was like our last guest who said like he tries to like convince people to like him. I always am like, oh, if this person's not showing me the signs in the beginning, I'm just over it. I'm going to stop. But I like the idea of like putting yourself out there more and like trying. And I don't know, sometimes I'm now slowly starting to become more sold on there might be a little bit more work I can do in the courting process to get things where I want them to go. Totally. I'm excited yeah. for you. I'm excited hey, for you too, Hey, okay, guys. I'm excited for you and you. Oh, you guys, stop. Okay. Um, I definitely need to just be brave. I just need to, like, just be braver. But I can do radical. I just have to decide to do it. Like, because I feel right. like I can. And, like, you, you're, mm-hmm. you know, what you're saying was very inspirational to me, but I know myself, like I can be inspired and then something can happen tomorrow. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm not doing this. Like <laughs> I just need to like check myself in the moment of like, this is a brave moment. So just do the brave thing or moment to be braver or more brave, whatever the word is. Um, and like actually do it. Cause sometimes it's get lazy. Yeah. It's easy to talk yourself out of it, especially when we have so many options today, like rolling through at all times. You're like, I, I can just like pass this one by and I'll just match with someone else. And like you just, you have that like constant perception that like I, I can find something else, but really those connections, that feeling of like, I need to be brave here or like, I feel vulnerable. It's so rare to be inspired enough to want to do that. So I'm like, just find those openings and like run through them. <laughs> That's my biggest thing for people. Yeah. I love that. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about where we can get the book and all that stuff? Yeah, so a little about me. Um, you can get the book anywhere books are sold. Amazon's really easy. Barnes and Noble, you know, uh, lots of different places. And then after that, you know, my next step is dating app. I, I'm starting my own dating oh, app, cool. which will be really fun. Um, it's called Plum, uh, and it debuts late fall. And it'll kind of create a little more stakes in the dating game to get people to take those like bigger risks in love. So I'm excited. Tell me about the name Plum. Um, yes, yeah, so it's kind of like taking the best elements of online dating and the best elements of real life dating and like putting it into an app. So I've done a lot of like work on the science of how people connect and why some of these dates seem to fall through. So my idea behind we named it Plum because we wanted it to be the best of both worlds in that way. A very Plum experience. Yeah, really I cool. love that. I can't wait to check it out sneak peek for y'all listening anyway thank you guys for listening um make sure you go buy the book the love gap a radical plan to win in life and love by jenna birch and where can they follow you what are your handles yes uh instagram and twitter are the best uh, at jenna birch it's very easy perfect, <laughs> perfect. um and make sure you tweet us at love and limbo land if anything in this podcast res- podcast resonated with you and what your plans are to take some radical action to win in life and love. I'm like plugging this book. Be brave, boo. Be brave. Have a brave moment. Um, Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.
I'm Tiffany. And I'm Kudzi. And you've been listening to Love in Limbo Land. You can find us on Twitter at Love in Limbo Land. And don't forget to go to Apple or Google Play Podcast to subscribe, rate, and review.